You're listening to Knowing Faith, a podcast of Training the Church. This is Kyle Worley, and I'm joined by my co-host. Um, wait, wait a second. What's your name again? I'm JT. JT? Yeah. And then my other friend. Jan Watkins. <laughs> Jan Watkins. <laughs> Jan um, Wilkin. You're, That's you're, my most common mispronunciation. Really? Jan yeah. Watkins? Well, no, it only Welcome to once. the stage, Jan Watkins. <laughs> it's kind of stuck Can you me. imagine walking down from the stage, and you're the first person of the stage is like, her name is Jen Wilkin. Yeah. You messed this up. Well, today we continue our journey through the Apostles' Creed asking the question, who is God? You know, just a small question for a 25-minute discussion. You'll know everything you need to know at the end. Hope you enjoy the discussion. All right. Well, I'm hungry. I'm getting hungry. Where are we going for lunch? What's for lunch? Um, I don't know. I'm really hungry, too, though. I could do some chips and salsa. Me, too. It's always Texas. Always. Always. Who has the best queso? Lightning round. Ooh, like like ever? Torchies. To, Torchies is my, yeah, that's my yeah, queso. I agree. That's my queso choice. Uh, who has the worst queso? Oh, Chipotle. Uh, Chipotle. Chipotle. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like somebody explained queso to an alien and they were like, okay, <laughs> we got it. Yeah. <laughs> and they were just like, we've never tasted it before, but the general cuts, it's yellow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, there's dairy product in it. Okay. We, we, we got this. We got it. What's the worst homemade queso? Velveeta. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know what we call it in my family? What? This is if you include the Rotel. What is it? Melted Barbie doll dip. Oh, that's that <laughs> doesn't it look like you microwaved a Barbie doll? It really does. And if it totally like, does. It's not, if it's not like the exact right temperature, it's like a rock. I, it's like yes. you're oh, pulling you, up plastic. Yeah, and then you're putting it down your disposal, like one spoonful <laughs> at a time, and you're thinking, like, I'm if, killing how you. all of my plumbing. How am I supposed to get this down my, my mouth if my disposal can't <laughs> When you see it. what happens to it when you leave it in the bowl, you're like, what's going on inside of me right now? It's I put that in me. It's not good. It's not good. But we're not talking about queso today. We're talking about credo. Bang, bang, bang. We are off to the races. Okay, so let's get started. Oh, that was a good pun, too. Mm. That was better. There's no such thing as a good pun, is there? Well, (laughs) (laughs) at least not in this room. It's a good start when Jen uh, immediately takes something I said and improves it. Um, That's just kind of, that's the precedent. (laughs) That's just the precedent that we've established on this show. Uh, You know it, we know it, so let's get into it. Okay, so we're talking about the Apostles' Creed in season three of Knowing Faith. And it, we should ask the question, if you've missed an episode before, if you're tuning in for the first time, what's the Apostles' Creed? JT, what is the Apostles' Creed? Why does it matter? Real quick, some brief highlights on Apostles' Creed. It's the greatest summary of what the Bible teaches about who God is, what he's doing in the world, who we are, and what our hope is. It's something that's been confessed uh, across every single Christian tradition since its inception. Yeah. Early third century. Yep. Uh, definitely had, uh, it seems to have been used in baptism candidates, discipleship. There was a pastoral this function the to the creed. discipleship curriculum of the early church. It's the evangelism of the early church. This is the content of the gospel. Okay. So you know what? We should, let's do this again since last time we did it, but we did it from, uh, Jen got it from memory. So we don't need to quiz her again. She knows. Well, I kind of did. You know, with a help from your brother you uh, and a website, um, you got it. So let me, let me just read it for us so that you know it. And, uh, and so that you've heard it. Uh, this is the apostle's creed. I believe in God, the father almighty creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. 
The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. 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 This is the Apostles' Creed. And so it served this pastoral function, early third century. It's a very early creed. And we talked a little bit in our first episode on it, kind of introducing the creed. We talked around really why creeds are not competitors to the Bible. So we made this distinction between different kinds of authority. So you you talked about magisterial and ministerial. Yeah, so, you say, so like magisterial is like a kingly authority. Or and then ministerial is like a courtly authority. This this the, the creeds minister to us as we try to read and become better readers of the Bible. Yeah, that's so. It's not we're not saying we are a, a group of believers and are, are the church that we're at and the churches where we serve believe in sola scriptura, yeah. which doesn't mean that scripture is the only thing that we need, but that it is the primary rule for faith and practice. Right, and the creeds are helpful. Mm-hmm. And al- along with councils and confessions and the community that is the history of the church, global and universal. Yep. Mm-hmm. I had a professor once say that if you're trying to create a curriculum or a, a Bible study or a sermon, or you're just trying to understand the world, he said you need three tools. First, you need a Bible in front of you. Second, you need glasses on, which are the creeds and the councils. And third, you need some kind of cultural media, whether it's a magazine or I think he said the economist at the time, because you want to view both God's word and your cultural moment through the lens of truth. And the the truth is God's word through the lens of what has been once believed and confessed for the saints forever so that you can apply that to your cultural moment. Mm -hmm. That's good. So we talked about last time belief, like the nature of belief, because the creed starts with I believe. And we talked about how a lot of times when we say believe, believe language is very, it's hard to pin down. When somebody says, I believe in something, they could mean a lot of things. I feel deeply about it. I feel deeply about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, uh, this is something I can see, touch, taste, Yeah, it can be a experience. belief driven by actual firsthand experience. Or there's a utility but, value right. to, like, this works, or mm-hmm. it works for me. So, mm-hmm. um, But we talked about Christian belief as distinctive. So what are some of the components of distinct Christian belief? How is Christian believing distinct? Christian believing is in something that we don't see, yeah. uh, but it is... Um, it's tied also to the idea of hope, like yeah. hope and belief are almost used interchangeably and it's hope with certainty. So um, we're not saying, um, I believe, I mean, on the one hand, it is it is okay to say, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. Like yeah. well, that is a model that's given to us in the Bible, but it's it's saying I'm willing to stake my life on this. It's that kind of, of a statement. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so it's a belief that kind of, uh, it's not just cognitive assent to like, here's the 10 things that are true about this. Check yes to the right questions mm-hmm. and move on. But it's a belief that pulls us into something. Yes. It pulls us into a story and yes. a world and truth claims that impact our life and compel action. Right. A distinct kind of action. And so the creed begins with, I believe, and then it moves really quickly to what the the object of that belief is. Yeah. It says, I believe in God. Also, just really yeah. quick, it starts with, I believe, but we have to keep in mind that it's meant to be said by all of us together. There's actually some versions of the creed that, that instead of we, saying credo, but it's credimus, it's we, mm-hmm, we confess, mm-hmm, we believe. Mm-hmm. And so I just always like to keep that in view for people because I think we have such a strong pull toward individualism really in our good. current cultural moment that we can read this and be like, oh, this is my creed. Mm-hmm. It's never intended to just be my creed. It's right. it's the creed of the church. Yeah, it's we're, we're speaking as a body. Yes. yes, we believe, I believe yeah. as a church. Mm-hmm. So what is the object of our belief? It's in God. Mm-hmm. So let's just start with 
where the creed starts, who is God? Yeah, he is. I mean, I know the you want to get to this later, but it's also what the creed continues. He is the maker of heaven and earth, God, right. the father almighty. This is, uh, I loved the quote you shared last time. If you didn't listen to our previous episode on this, but we're not saying kind of a to whom it may concern or yeah. a transcendent God. We're talking about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the yeah. God who created the heavens and the earth in Genesis one and two, the God who, who expelled Adam and Eve out of the, out of the garden of Eden, but yet met Abraham in the midst of the dusty desert and said, I'm going to, I'm going to recreate the world through you. And then he does so through the son of Abraham, yeah. his son, Jesus. And so this is a very, very personalized, a very, very specific God. This isn't just a God that we have faith in because we bought a sign at, uh, at some kind of Christian bookstore like, right. that, has, that says have faith or believe. Right. Mm-hmm. This is the God of the Bible, the God who's revealed himself in Jesus Christ and the God who, who has cared for us in yeah. Christ. So when we say, I believe in God, why, why does the creed start with God? What? what? <laughs> Well, this is what I love about the, I'm, I'm not laughing at you, Kyle. I'm laughing because it's a good time. question a lot of people don't <laughs> ask. And um, and uh, I think it didn't occur to me for a really long time because I think we picture a bunch of guys wearing like togas or tunics sitting around going, where should we really start this thing? What would be a good starting point for this? <laughs> and we can lose sight of the fact that the creed is very purposefully beginning with Genesis 1-1 mm-hmm. and very purposefully ending with words that, that capture Revelation. 22. So why does it start with, I believe in God, the father almighty maker of heaven and earth? Because Genesis 1, 1 says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Absolutely. So the creed begins where the Bible begins, Right. that there is this God who is father and he is creator of heaven and earth, Mm -hmm. almighty creator. Mm -hmm. And so the creed is beginning. And we talked about this last time that there is a narrative component to the creed, that it is, while it's not telling the whole story of scripture in a detailed way, like Mm -hmm. the Bible does, because the Bible does that in a unique way in the Bible alone, Mm -hmm. but it is telling that story in a very condensed way. Well, and one of the things that I love about it is that if we were writing the creed today, because we're, we're more spiritual than these people were, we'd be like, (laughs) Guys, start with Jesus. Yeah, and we'd say we wouldn't say Jesus; we'd say Jesus Mm because that's the way you say it when you're a really good believer. And we'd be like, guys, it's all about Jesus, and Mm -hmm. so let's start with Jesus and let's end with Jesus. And the creed does not do that. It's talking about the Godhead and the implications for human beings in relation to the Godhead. And so, uh, what I think can be a symptom of over Jesusing the gospel. Oh my gosh, that sounds like such a heretical statement. No, it's fine. We're with you. But over Jesus the gospel is that we sense that our obligation to God begins at the point that we are saved by Jesus. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what the creed is pointing us to is your obligation to God actually begins because he is your origin. And it takes us all the way back to the beginning. So if we think that... um, that sin is something that, you know, Jesus takes care of my sin and that's great, but that my sin is not rooted in a rejection of the creator. It's, it's, it's rooted in a rejection of the Messiah. I think we can, we can miss just how big sin is and which is what Romans one is trying to establish, right? Is that, yeah, that this is a, this is the creator creation, um, distinction, distinction that is, that is the question when it comes to, when we talk about rebellion, we're talking about rebellion against our origin. Yeah. 
And and the yes, absolutely. And the the reason that this is so vital for us the 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 idea of who is God is because while the answer to the question who is God isn't the answer to every other question, the answer to that question shapes the answer yeah. to every other question. That's right. It's like what is it? Who it was it? Packer who said the most important thing that you think about is what you think about when you think about God. It's Tozer. Mm-hmm. Tozer. Tozer. Yeah. Right. And so uh, it is. This is a vital question. So to begin by saying, I believe in God, and then to to begin to qualify that to ca- to kind of capture the distinct Christian conception of what this God Godhead is. That's right. So, well, and this is such a radical turn from, uh, or, or I, I should say, confrontation of the current cultural moment, which is infatuated with knowledge of self. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the 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 apostles are showing us that yeah, I think that knowledge of self has something to do with the Christian faith, but it is definitely not the starting point, and you can only come to a knowledge of self once you understand who mm-hmm. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit yes. mm-hmm. is revealed. And so there is this this emphasis and this just huge push at the beginning of the creed that all knowledge starts with knowledge of God. Yes. Yeah. Well, also I would point out that one of the the popular creeds of the last 30 years in the church has been, I believe God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Right. Mm-hmm. And that is a creed that takes the focus. It mentions God, but the focus of those statements is is me. Well, it's his function. It, yeah. it reduces him to what to he will fun- do. That's right. That's right. And so that's why one of the things that, that I love about the creed is it, it is a complete reorienter. It means for you every time you read it to to refocus, to lift up your eyes. Yeah. Another thing that's really fascinating about the historical context, and a lot of people don't know this about the early history of the church because you wouldn't assume it, but one of the early accusations uh, from outside of the church towards the church, and a lot of the church fathers deal with this, um, is that the early Christians were atheists. Yep. This is a huge problem in the second century. What? Yes, yes, I know it's crazy, but it is. When you get into the early church fathers, <laughs> one of it's the, their main apologetic, one of the accusations that the early church is facing, yep. on top of a lot of misunderstandings of like the Lord's Supper and the gathering of the church, is that they're atheists. Because why? Because Christians enter in, and Larry Hurtado has an incredible book called Destroyer of Gods. Mm-hmm. I cannot recommend it more highly for understanding <laughs> the early years post Acts of the church. Uh, so. Larry Hurtado, Destroyer of Gods, fantastic book. Um, But one of the early accusations was Christians emerge, and for the kind of wider culture, they begin by stating there is one God. So they're denying, and they, mm-hmm. the, the, which in a polytheistic culture might as well be saying you don't believe in any god. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Because if you're worshiping 30, 40, mm-hmm. 50, 60, and you've got all of these temples, and you have this one specific group saying no, 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 no. all these are false gods, we believe in one. You. The, the contrast was so extreme that they I was going to say, because that does, how, how they couldn't parse monotheism from atheism? No, no, this it is was a, this so is a new was, up. I have never heard this. It's yep. fascinating. And again, the book, Destroyer of Gods, is such a fantastic book. I cannot recommend it more highly. But it's crazy to think about, and it's really fascinating because with the creed starting off, I believe in God. Just the public announcement of that would have been to the wider culture. Imagine if you were, because they're probably being baptized somewhere outside. Mm-hmm. So imagine if you're hearing this baptism formula, these are Christians, and they're saying, I believe in God. You've immediately said something that kind of your kind of cultural tastemakers are saying, is wrong. The Christians don't believe in gods. They're denying the gods, which is in one part true, but it's because they have agreed, assented, believed, and trusted in this one true God who's greater than all the gods because he created everything. That's right. Mm-hmm. Heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. So the, the creed imme- immediately moves to, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. Yep. Mm-hmm. So what, is it, what does it mean to say that God is Father? Well, there's a few things here. It's really important. And we, I received this insight from Michael Reeves' book, which we've talked about here before, uh, Delighting in the Trinity, 
Uh, but I want to I go slow here for a second. It's important that we see that the creed emphasizes the fatherhood of God before it emphasizes that he is creator. Yeah. So God was father mm-hmm. before That's he was good. creator. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's always, the, the father has always been father and he's always been father to the son, which is, he, he is the perfect father. He is the one who knows how to father sons and daughters because he's been doing it before, the, before, before he even created anything because yes. the son himself is not created. Uh, when we talk about him being father, it's also important that we not say that this is going to be, this might sound a bit technical. God is not father. Right. God the Father is Father. Yes. God the Son is not Father. God the Spirit is not Father. So you have popular evangelical songs, which I'm happy to sing, that say God is a good, good Father. <laughs> I've been humming it in my head this mm-hmm. whole time. And that's a fine song. We just need to know what we mean when we say it. Which is God the Father. Yes. God the yeah. Father is a wonderful Father. Mm-hmm. But, but if you're then also talking about acts or works of the Son and the Spirit mm-hmm. and talking about the fatherhood of God, you've just... not created, but you just participated in a heresy called modalism, which is a problem, right? Because we don't want to talk about the son being father. We don't want to talk about the spirit being father. God, the father is a good, good father. So let's sing the song, Mm -hmm. knowing which person of the Godhead we're talking about. Do you ever get stuck wondering how to study a Bible passage? The Courage for Life Study Bibles for Women and the Courage for Life Study Bibles for Men have over 1,400 Bible studies. That's a Bible study on every page of Bible text. Access to the Filament Bible app lets you dive even deeper. If you download the app and you scan the page number, you can open up a world of resources, including over 25,000 additional study notes, hundreds of videos, and a full audio Bible. Start discovering at courageforlifebible.com. That's courageforlifebible.com for incredible study notes and an incredible study Bible. Have you ever wondered what is God's heart towards you? In this noisy world, God's heart beats hard with love and mercy. But how can God share his heart with us when he doesn't have our attention? You're invited to spend 100 days discovering the beautiful, merciful heart of God with Overflowing Mercies, a new devotional by Craig Allen Cooper. The Lord is not ashamed of you or quick-tempered toward your faults. Each one of your weaknesses, faults, frailties, and failures does more to arouse God's love than to stir up His anger. If you could fathom in some small way how warmly God truly feels about you, the faintest grasp of His immeasurable affection would reduce you to tearful wonder and heartfelt gratitude. As God's mercies are new every single morning, overflowing mercies will continue to be a constant well of refreshing comfort, encouragement, and strength. It's perfect for personal quiet times, family and dinner table devotions, and small groups. Let this devotional help you get intentional, stay connected to God, and continue loving others. Order your copy of Overflowing Mercies, 100 Meditations on the Tender Heart of God today at moodypublishers.com or wherever great books are sold. So to say that God the Father, or to say that God the Father is Father, is first and foremost to say that God the Father is Father in relation, not to us, but to or to the whole world, but to the Son. That's right. And, uh, and, and to the Spirit, mm-hmm. right? So that God's relationship to the Father, uh, God the Father's relationship to the Son and the Spirit is a paternal, familial fatherly relation. That's exactly right. Okay. And so when we're thinking about this, it's really important to see that this caveat of God, the father almighty, 
So when the creed says almighty, what are some of the things? Now, we're going to exercise. They didn't have to put that part in. They didn't have to put that part. They could have said, we believe in God, the Father, creator of heaven, mm-hmm. maker, creator of heaven and earth. So when we say almighty, what are some of those things? I'm thinking here about incommunicable attributes mm-hmm. that the early church might be folding in to mm-hmm. this kind of single word descriptor. Almighty. What would that be designated? What would be kind of, what are some of the things that would designate almightiness? It's probably a nice little cocktail of omnipotence. Uh, I would throw in probably self-existence yeah, and sovereignty, sure. yeah. uh, probably self-sufficiency too, because you can't hold all power if you have needs. Yeah. So, uh, so I mean, self-existence meaning that self-existence meaning he has the power of life in and of himself. No right. one gives life to him. He has so, no origin. Right. By nece- by necessity, if we define him as creator, then you know. Yeah. He's uncreated. Right. Uh, and then uh, self-existence is that he gives life to all, but no one gives life to him. Yeah. Self-sufficiency is everything that he needs is is within him. Right. He has no, nothing. nothing outside of him, which is important because it means he can't be coerced um, by anyone right. according to a, a need, which reinforces the idea that he's almighty. Right. Omnipotence is that he holds all power. Yeah. And um, sovereignty is that not only does he hold all power, but he has the authority to use it. Yeah, and and probably omniscience. Yeah, I mean, it, you can't. It's, you can't really. Right, like you know, like you can you can parse them out, but mm-hmm. you can't. You can't. They they are meant to work all together. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. How much so, time you got? We can talk about it, all. Oh, I know, too. I know. You've written a whole book on the topic, so. <laughs> um, so I believe in God the Father Almighty, and then it moves on to talking about Maker or Creator yeah. of heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. So why was this significant for them to include in the creed? Why is it significant to note that God is Creator of the heavens and the earth of all the earth? Yeah, we've talked about. This. This, uh, I think we did a creator-creature distinction podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what we called it. I think we just talked about creation. Yeah. But when you think about uh, the first instinct of theology, this might be the first and most important one. Uh, and it's also what sin uh, pushes against. It's the idea that God is the creator and we are not. If there is any knowledge of self in the creed, it's that we are creation, not creator. And that relationship defines all of our interactions with God. That not only is he father, not only is he almighty, he is also the creator, which means I am not, I am the, I'm the creation or we are the creation and everything that exists belongs to him. Yeah. So and this is, this is kind of going back to what I was trying to get at earlier. It, it doesn't start by saying God is holy and we are not like it doesn't, it doesn't place the emphasis right. on yeah. sin, uh, apart from this idea. Right. And that's that's what I love about it. It's pushing us to the most foundational understanding of of why we don't get it. Yep. So like to be a to be a, cre- a creation means you're necessarily finite. Yes. You necessarily lack power. You don't have all power. You mm-hmm. necessarily lack uh, an ability to create something because mm-hmm. you're the cre- cre- there's no created thing that creates something else. Right. We only shape and mold that which has already been created. Uh we will die. Mm-hmm. We are not necessary. Mm-hmm. And all those other things are not true of God. He is necessary. Physical body limits yep. us to one yep. location. He's that's unlimited. Right. I mean, yep. you go down mm-hmm. a, a yeah. very long list. And so that's all packed into this pregnant term for the early church to call God the creator also works against a lot of the other creation myths of the gods. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Because it, like it's cutting against this idea of there being many gods who did all these different sorts of things uh, and this is saying, no, this there is one God, the, creator of everything. And that they Chief. are associated with the creation. So right. you have the God of the sun or the God right. of the land or the God of the rain. Yeah. And 
the Christians are saying, absolutely not. Our God created all of those things. Yeah. And I, I always love in scripture and in the creeds and confessions where you get the, uh, the beauty of this tension between God, the father and God as creator, mm-hmm. because you get this, you get the picture of, uh, both that the God of the Bible is simultaneously transcendent and imminent, mm-hmm. meaning that God is distinct from, and yet he draws near to. Mm-hmm. So this God who is creator is also father, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that kind of tension, that dynamic is really beautiful for the believer to remember that it's not just that God is high and holy and lifted up, right? That he's almighty and he's creator, but that he's father, right? right? That he is near to us in his son, Jesus. Do you guys ever feel like you go, cause I know both of those things, but I can feel like sometimes I go through in and out of seasons of needing to emphasize yeah. one of those things. Absolutely. Oh yeah. But I think then, it's so important to know like what, what is fueling my desire to think of him more as one than the other. Mm-hmm. Is it something good? Or is it something not good? Yeah, that's exactly right. And then that's what a creed does is it comes alongside what we have a self-perceived need in and it's always helping us self-correct and balance and have a sustained and sustainable faith. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I love that we're going to be able to go line by line through the Apostles' Creed for the whole year. I just think it's going to be uh, a blast doing it this season. Uh, With a little bit of time that we have left, can I take us in a different direction? Because I have a selfish question to ask. Can I ask one question about Father? No. What does it mean that he's Father? Uh, what does it mean? That theologically. Theologically? Yeah. Like what makes him not the son? It's a trap. Well, he, the father has sent the son, mm-hmm. right? So the, there's the eternal begotten nature of the son. Yeah. So we, t- we would talk about the father as uh, eternally unbegotten. Mm-hmm. We would talk about the son as eternally begotten. Right. And as the Holy Spirit as eternally proceeding from the father through the son. Right. So there's the, the, what we might call the imminent or ontological relations between father, son, and Holy Spirit. So that's a huge part of what... So the only thing that makes him distinct from the sun... Jen's going to troll us with some eye rolls over here. That's fine. I've got people in the production booth who are eye rolling with me. Well, so I know. You have I've comrades. I've got minions now. Comrades, get it? Mm-hmm. From the communications booth. Nice. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, but this is important. Yeah. Uh, maybe we can simplify it, but we're trying to say that the Father is distinct from the Son and the Spirit in his way of being yeah, and who he and is. who he is that he is father meaning he's never sent himself yes the father has never come into the world he sends the son and the spirit into the world mm-hmm. fair yeah and that our relationship this is important to you because sometimes you get this idea that feels very nice that god the father is the father of everybody mm-hmm. what, what typically that kind of colloquially is used to reference that god is creator of everybody mm-hmm. right or that god has created everything but there is um, God the Father is the Father in relationship to the Son, and our belonging to God the Father is a belonging that we undertake as we enter into union with the Son of God, Jesus Christ. That's right. So my, and this is so vital for us to understand because so many believers be, uh, conceive of themselves as they they rightly get the idea that the fa- that we have come into a relationship with God the Father, but they misunderstand that the relationship that we have with God the Father is as children who have been adopted into Jesus Christ. This is vital because if you are prone to think that your father can be easily pleased or displeased with you, then you will drift towards legalism and kind of shame-based mm-hmm. obedience. Mm-hmm. But if you believe that the primary orient, uh, the, your primary way of relating to the father, of belonging to the father, is in his son, Jesus Christ, well, then what happens is even in your disobedience, your belonging to him as a child is not uh, called into question 
because your belonging to him is really rooted in the perfection of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And so uh, God is our father and we pray to the Lord as father in Jesus Christ, the son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is good news because we as believers are increasingly conformed to the image of the father in Jesus Christ, but our belonging to him is not predicated on what we might do or not Mm -hmm. do, Mm -hmm. but on what God, the son has done. Yeah, for us, doing is not earning. Exactly. Yeah. We don't earn our family identity. Right. But we get to kind of walk in greater family traditions and come to look more and more like mm-hmm. our older brother, Jesus. Doing yep. is behaving like a family member. Yeah. But it's not earning a place in the family. Yeah. That's good. Yep. Okay, where are we going to take us? I was going to ask selfishly, because we haven't talked about this in a little while, little while What has, has there been anything that you've read recently that you're like, wow, that's really good, or listened to that you really liked, or anything that you're just like, man, I really like this. You've There's a podcast you've been high on for a little while, and you shared it with me, yeah. and it's really good. Uh, this Cultural Moment? Yes, that that's one. what I'm thinking of. Yes. Yeah, This Cultural Moment with John Mark Comer and Mark Sayers is, uh, they're two pastors, one up in Portland and one in Australia, and it's a fantastic, I mean, I don't know that I know of a better uh accessible analysis of our current cultural moment. It's really, really good. And so I'm a big fan of that podcast. I've listened to it twice now, all the way through. And it's going to shape and form some of the stuff that we're doing here at TBC. Uh, I read a book when I was on vacation. I read it for the second time. It probably is a top five book all time for me. Wow. It's, wow. it's Peter Brown's uh, biography of Augustine. I know I'm a nerd in saying that, but it's, uh, it is... Like I, I love biography. I love Christian biography in particular. It, it, uh, for some reason, for me, the Lord uses it to to stir my affections for Christ, to sustain me, because I get to see how hard their lives were too. You know, it's easy. Yeah. I, I can very easily over romanticize what Augustine's life would have right. been like. But typically, what biographies do is they tell you about a person's life, they kind of move from event to event to event, and they give you. Uh, a narrative of what this person lived through and what this person did, their major you know, failures mm-hmm. and successes. What Peter Brown does in this biography on Augustine is he doesn't tell you about Augustine's life. He tells you about Augustine's heart. Hmm. Like, I feel like Augustine is a friend having read the book. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Like That's I, what good writing does. Oh, man. And so P- Peter Brown uh, wrote this book uh, I think he was in his 30s. And then th- it was like 40 years later, they discovered new manuscripts of Augustine's sermons. Mm-hmm. And this book, in the meantime, had become a pillar in mm-hmm. late antiquity studies. And he was world-renowned for this book. And he went back and corrected his book. Yeah, That cool. takes a lot of humility. It really does. To be the top scholar in your field. Yeah. To then realize that there's new evidence that corrects your thesis that gave you the credibility for being mm-hmm. the top scholar in your field. To then say... Okay, I'm going to go back in and make some amendments and additions. That's cool. Mm. What's the name of the book called again? Uh, it's Peter Brown, yeah. Augustine, A Biography. Yeah, that's mm. what it is, yeah. yeah. Anything that you got? Man, I've been down the rabbit hole writing various curricula, so I don't know that I have any exciting things to okay. tell you. Yeah. Does it have to be spiritual? No. Oh, um, we watched that uh, salt, fat, acid, heat. Oh, have it's you so seen good. Oh, Simi Nazarat. Yeah, it's incredible. It I read her book. It's so, so hungry, though, while yeah. you're watching it, but it's yeah. so beautifully done. Yeah. 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 I loved it. And also I just, I think back through all of my favorite things to prepare and eat. And it's like, man, this is really what it all comes down to. It really is. It actually, that cooking has always felt like super intimidating to me because I did, I don't think I, nobody had ever just explained like these essential things. It's chemistry. Yeah. And then whenever she walks you through it, you're like, oh, Uh, duh, that kind of feels a little simple. You know, it has meant we've been using way more salt than we did before, but whatever. That's great. It is really good. Salt's biblical. 
Um, I read, there, I have three books. One that you recommended to me, Educated. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what my did gosh. you think? I could not. Have you read this? I'm not. I need to read it. Whoa. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I couldn't put it, I couldn't put it down. Uh-huh. I brought yeah. like three books with me on like a weekend trip because yeah. like I was going to read three books. Um, <laughs> I but, always overestimate. And so, but I was like, oh, I'll kind of read, uh, dabble in each one of them. But the moment I started reading that, I was like, I'm mm-hmm. reading this whole book. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. It's it's really good. So, and then the the other two that I've that I've liked a lot, Ashley Hells has this great book. She's out in California. I, th- her, I think they've planted a church out there. She wrote this book called Finding Holy in the Suburbs. Oh, I've, heard oh, I've that. seen that. Y'all, it is good. It is a very good book. You ready to move to the suburbs? I live in the suburbs. Uh. Reluctant suburbs is what we okay. call Richardson. <laughs> it's everybody said they never live in the suburbs, and they're like. Okay, yeah, we're going to move right up there. <laughs> Probably some. But Finding Holy in the Suburbs is it's so good. Uh, and then the other book I just read, which was really good, Rebecca McLaughlin, oh, Confronting she, Christianity. I yeah. know her a little. She is so sharp. We're having her out for a seminar for Mosaic in April, and I'm like pumped what? about it. Oh, that's cool. Yes. Yeah. Does she live here? No, she lives no. like up in Cambridge. Oh, wow. Yeah, somewhere yeah. up there in the Northeast. Anyways, Confronting Christianity is like... Listen, I've read a lot of apologetic stuff. A lot of it is not worth the paper it's printed on. This is just a totally different tone. It is very good. That's it's awesome. winsome. It's kind. She's got the right expertise to do it. The book drives home the points well. It's very good. Mm-hmm. Confronting Christianity. For more information, you can look into the show notes in the podcast description. We'd be honored for you to leave us a podcast review on iTunes or wherever you find your podcast. You can find us online at trainingthechurch.com. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter by searching Knowing Faith. On our next episode, we're going to discover some hot tongues in Acts. You're so ridiculous. I mean, come on, hot tongues and I acts. picture you sitting around coming up with these titles and be like, that's so it good. It takes I'm me no so time at all. At it takes it's just it's so mm-hmm. caught up into my very system, it just comes out. <laughs> We're praying for you. Thank you. <laughs> See you next time, y'all. Grace and peace.